podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the Touchlines and Touchdowns podcast, the world's first and therefore greatest football football mashup podcast, an interview version of the Touchline Media Group. That's right, everybody. Uh, it's a different episode than normal. There will be fewer jokes and more like actually talking about football. So uh, for those of you who are here for the uh, pop culture jokes, I apologize. But for the rest of you, welcome. Um, I'm your host, Asa, aka The Twig, uh, and I am joined by um well first before we do that this episode is brought to you by uh paramount plus whoever blue wire decides to put in um and uh you know the smith workforce management group and uh ideally swoveralls like swoveralls get back to me like we're we're doing this dance on twitter it's enough just get back to me okay um but i am joined uh in this episode by uh the world's first only uh orthodox jewish college football player um so Sam, how's it going? I'm great, thank God. How is how is everything going with you? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. All all good on my end. Um, so yeah. So Sam, um, for for those of our listeners who don't really understand why it is that an Orthodox Jew would be rare in the college football space, um, how did I? I guess start with that. Like, how does an Orthodox Jew who can't watch TV on Saturdays get into college football? <laughs> All right, yeah, so um, to start off, I'm Sam. I play football at Texas A&M University, and we have a very, 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 um, I think, unique conference in the sense that it's probably one of the most competitive, if not the most competitive conference. It's the, it's uh, fine. You, yeah. Yeah. You yeah don't, I'm you being don't a little like... bit humble, but it's the most competitive <laughs> conference in college football. Um, and I, I think to give at least the greatest argument that I can give for why it's possible to do it, is that due to the fact that there are a lot of primetime game, primetime games, there are a lot of night slots, so we play a lot of games after Shabbat. So that's that's very important. Um, but the other important thing about college football is that it's very, very, very primarily played on Saturdays, and very, very rarely will there be any any other kind of exceptions to that rule. Like there will be some conferences that play on Thursdays, but within the prime time of college football it is all it is all saturdays yeah so i i guess like my my like big question is like um you know and we'll 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 talk about high school and you know why it is that exactly zero i think jewish high schools have a football team or at least a tackle football team um uh, from high schools yeah yeah i so so i actually this <clears throat> i was going to try to stay focused but screw it whatever um I what uh, so uh listeners you know that I coach at a high school um but the kids on my team like some of them like are like getting really into flag football like apparently like they have like a actual division they play actual other teams and I started saying things to them like like oh like what do you run and the responses were not oh I don't know it was like oh we run you know cover 3 and I was like oh that's an actual answer that's interesting but anyway, so how did how did you get here, right? Like, because most kids who who play college football played high school football. 
So I have what is a very long um, and at least in my belief is a very unique story. So I grew up in Philadelphia. I went to high school at Kohelet Yeshiva High School and it obviously did not have a football team. But to not like make this a super long story super long because like on past podcasts, I have gone on and it's been an hour and a half story of like, <laughs> the entire cinematic version of how I went from never playing football at the at any organized level to playing uh, Division One college football. So just to very to shorten it up, I came to Texas A&M because I love the school. I love the traditions. Yeah. I love everything about being an Aggie. And I also found that the Jewish community here is very beautiful and very very special and I had seen that like this is the place that I should be in after a long conversation with my mom I decided to pretty much pack away pack up all my things and move out to Texas for just pretty much kind of the kind of restarting pretty much and I had gone to school here very in a very brief story I had ended up coming up with the idea or not coming up with the idea, reigniting an old idea that I had a long time ago that I should play college football. And I began to think about how I was going to walk on at Texas A&M. So I began to practice every day outside of the facility, outside of like their practice facility. And I began also to go to the coaches radio shows and talk to the coach, the head coach and stuff like that. And finally, October, so this is about you know, a year of practicing is nine months after I would I figured out that I should practice outside of the uh, Texas A&M football facility. I got a call and this was midway through the season that uh, that they were bringing me onto the team. Obviously, I was very, very thankful to God and very, very happy. And obviously, the, the, the intent behind why I did it was was, you know, there are, there, are, there are lots of reasons, but primarily one that, you know, that I want to prove that uh, Orthodox Jews can succeed in these space in these spaces and not have to compromise on religion i'm not even orthodox but any any jews in general or any people of any religion that they could succeed in uh, any space and never have to compromise on who, their religion who they are and two i i wanted to uh use this as a platform um to to promote god and belief in god and amuna and faith and all that type of thing and then three is obviously i i mean i i really like football um, like one of the real things I learned about AM was just the culture around the, fo- the school and those and football. And I happen to think that it actually brings very, um, very beneficial cultural aspects to the areas that it's important in, which I could, which I could get on a whole tangent on, but that's primarily how I got here. I mean, that's impressive as hell i'll, I'll say i i knew uh, i lived with a guy who who walked on at michigan um he's been on the podcast uh before and you know for him it was he he played in high school and he was six foot five and 260 pounds and the year before he walked on he was like a power lift and it was like so for him it was like uh well i'm six five two sixty five there aren't that many people walking around who are six five two sixty five um, but for you, I mean, you're, I, I think, I think you're listed at, what is it? Five, six, one sixty. So yeah, five, five, six, one, one fifty. I'm not going to be one of those people who like embellishes their, yeah, uh, sure. their stats, <laughs> five, five and a half. Okay. And, um, at, at, the, at this morning I weighed in at one fifty nine. So, okay. That's it. Uh, so, so I'm, I'm going to just throw it out there, be completely honest with what I am. 
on on the uh, uh you know i don't know your your situation but on the shit oak resume we'll we'll give you five six it's fine well i mean apparently <laughs> um two four seven sports screwed up when they were releasing my high school and they wrote philadelphia talmudical yeshiva so oh. i got a, i got a couple of things going for me on the in the shit oak resume world <laughs> Um, I, I actually, I think that that's so funny. Like, just like, while we're here, like two, four, seven, someone had to, when you, when you popped up, someone like someone had to look into that. And I have to imagine if you're not from that community, it's just like, dude, I, I don't know what Kohelet is. I don't know what Tom, like just one of them, just pick it. I, I don't care. Like, yeah, you're, I you're... mean, <laughs> it helped me out. I mean, Philadelphia Tomodical Yeshiva is probably the most prominent, um, Yeshiva. It might be one of the most prominent Yeshivas in America, to be honest. Yeah. Probably. I mean, that, yeah, that's, that's good. No, no, nobody's going to like, look at you weird coming from there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I didn't go, but I, you know, right. Sure. If anyone, look, if whoever's, you know, looking at my shit of stuff for some reason <laughs> looks at two, four, seven sports, then I guess that's, I guess, yeah. I think that I went there. Yeah. You're in good Very shape. <laughs> um, but Kohelet is a, is a fine, uh, fine, uh, school as well. They, um, I don't know. They 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 lost in the tier three championship of Sarajevo yeah. this year. Um, I watched that game because I, did, I, did, I watched that game too. Actually, got us a um, back in uh, back in high school. Yeah. Um. I'll say like they they, they looked good. That J, JEC had a kid like he was he was playing well. There's not that much you can do. Anyways, um, before I turn this into a uh, uh an hour long discussion of Sarajevo and why it's uh a blast, um. So you, you, you talked a little bit about like the culture, um, and, and how it is that you sort of fit in. Um, I, I guess what, what a question I would have, obviously, is most, if not all of your teammates probably don't have, if, if they have an assessment of Jews and Judaism, it's probably not the best. Um, not to stereotype, it's just like anti-Semitism is what it is. And most people who don't know Jews don't have a great opinion. Um, so what, what was your experience when you sort of, when you got in the locker room and you were wearing a kippah or I mean, or I'll be honest, it was the most amazing thing I've ever experienced because like all those guys, a lot of them witnessed me being probably like the insane person that trained outside of their facility every day for nine months. And then like, I was there during the summer. So that was like 110 degree heat that I was training in. Mm-hmm. So like when I first stepped in the facility, they all knew who I was and they all got really excited for me. Yeah, um, cool. but like. Even at, like to piggyback off of that, I feel like I've been kind of taken in as like the team's little brother, because like you know all the guys are just amazing. They support me, and uh, most of them have not really come into contact with an Orthodox Jew. And I mean that, that, that goes very goes the same for probably most people here at Texas A and M. And that's just by virtue of there's only 300 Jews on the campus, and there's like four or five from Jews uh, at this point. Like there, there's and then within, you know, the, it, it's a big state. <laughs> There's a big state, a lot of small towns. It's, you're never going to come into contact with that. But uh, we have guys from all different areas and they've just been great. You know, I've gotten lots of questions. I've had lots of discussions with guys because people just want to know, you know, genuinely what we, what we believe and, you know, stuff and stuff like that. But, you know, they, they've been incredibly supportive and they've all been really cool. Like I, I was eating matzah in the facility one day and like one of my teammates wanted to try some matzah and then, I wear my, I, you know, obviously I wear my tits out. So I got a lot of questions about like, well, my tits, what do they symbolize? Things like that. And a lot of the guys think they're cool. So, you know, they're, my, my teammates have just been straight up amazing. Like it's, it really is, it really is a brotherhood. And like, I don't think I could ask for anything better. 
That's that's great. I, so so without you know you don't you can name names or not name names. You know, completely up to you. But what is what is like the funniest question you've gotten, like from from a from that perspective? Because just to sort of like give you a second to uh, to think it through, and I'll give you an example from my time. Um, I remember when I I lived in, in a house with with guys who are not Jewish, and um, the first time that they saw that I had two sets of dishes in my room, there was there was like a like like the only thing that they had culturally known about Judaism was like breaking a glass during a wedding. And they were like, do you like break plates throughout the year? And I was like, no, no, it's a, it's a meat and milk thing. It's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Man, that's, that's a tough one. So I've, I don't think I've gotten so many funny questions. I think I've more gotten, I've given like responses that have like, you know, garnered a little bit of an interesting response. So like, I think the second place for that would be like, I was trying to explain being Shomer Nagia to some of my teammates. Ah. <laughs> Which like, you know, for some guys who, you know, some guys are very religious in their own right. So they, they, you know, they, they kind of understand it and some guys aren't and they, they respect it. So there's, there's that, but trying to just explain Shomer Nagia in its own right, it just kind of like, it, it's kind of uh it's kind of an interesting conversation. The one that I think was more interesting though was so I had to explain a lot to a lot of my teammates why I'm never at practice on Saturdays or why I'm not at games during the day like um, mm-hmm. Saturday during the day. Like I had to explain because we had, we just had our spring game yesterday and I obviously wasn't there because it was Shabbos. So I, I was explaining to one of my teammates when we were coming out of uh, one of the practices about it and like I was starting off with like some basic things like you can't use your phone and like that was surprising. Um, and like, you know, you can't drive a car. And then I was starting to explaining, like, I started explaining like carrying and like an Arab <laughs> and then like separating things that you don't want from things that you do want and why you can separate things that you want, but why you can't separate things that you don't want. So I started getting this whole tangent. And I think, I think he was like, he was, he, he understood it, but like, he was like, I think, I think he was kind of um, entertained by the answer. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, so I think like, I think Shomer Nagia is a little bit like straightforward, right? Like it, it dear listener, if, if you don't know what we're talking about, it's just like not, uh, touching a person of the opposite sex, you know, it, it, it makes sense, right? Yeah. Like from, like, and uh, and it, that, that, it's really easier to ex- like explain that one because it, it's pretty logical. There's right. nothing else really about it. Right. Um, I, I will say that I've gotten to a point in my religious observance where like, I, I think that the concept of like carrying it in a roof, it's one of those things where it's like at the very fringes, the answer to why you can do it is I don't know. And like in the middle, you sort of understand it. And like, you know, like I learned Eruvine and I was like, at, at the end of it, like I, I, I talked to a rabbi and I was like, am I missing something? He was like, no. <laughs> yeah. I was trying, I kind of like was getting at that in the conversation about like carrying. I was like, well, so we can't carry from like a private domain to a public domain, but some places with a larger Jewish population have this thing that goes around, this structure that goes around the city that allows them to make the whole city considered a private domain as long as there aren't 600,000 cars or people passing within any street that's within it. So, like, I, they, trying to explain that was like, you know, you get the chance to, like, answers. We were like, oh, okay, cool. Uh, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and of note, you know, there there are some who would say that uh, that the Manhattan A roof is is valid. I I think based on your answer, uh, you go with uh, Rav Rav Moshe Feinstein, who says probably not. But I hear you. There's, um, yeah, there's. I, I'm not very well versed on the A roof debate. I just know for like 
So I, basic sense on. I lived in Manhattan for a couple of years, so I was like in the midst of the question of whether or not the Manhattan A roof was a real A roof. Uh, I held by it. The the Brooklyn ones are also a a big debate, right? Because and and I think like if uh, what was it like like one of the comments was like if that's an A roof, then literally anything can be. So fine. Yeah, there's, um, there's there's a lot. I mean, thankfully, I'm from Philadelphia, and I guess, well, I guess because within the confines of where I live, there's you're not gonna have uh, that issue. That that's why right. it doesn't pass I-95 because I-95 obviously has more than 600. That was, you know the whole span of the country. Yeah, right. <laughs> you're not getting past I-95. <laughs> uh, no, probably not. Um, hey, everybody, uh, is this a recorded ad read? It is. You have. <laughs> <laughs> do it again no just keep going just keep going uefa champions league soccer is streaming on paramount plus nine months of heart-stopping hold your breath exhilaration is underway with the biggest stars top teams you'll note not arsenal and craziest fan bases across europe watch every match from the group stage through the knockout rounds as Benzema and Real Madrid defend their title, no. Against Liverpool, no. Man City, yeah, probably. Chelsea, no. PSG, come on. Barcelona, now you guys are clearly just messing with us. And more, fire, in soccer's biggest (laughs) club competition. So don't miss a single sweat-soaked second of regulation time, stoppage time, and extra time. And stream every match of the UEFA Champions League live exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, We'll also note that you can watch Europa League and Conference League on on Paramount+, Plus, but (laughs) they're not going to advertise for that. Golazzo. But so going back to to Texas A&M and going back to sort of your experience, you, you mentioned there's only four or five from kids. So how do you how do you spend Shabbat? Like, do you is there a Chabad house, a Hillel? Like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. So I spent Shabbos at Chabad and I'll tell you, it's really become something really, really beautiful. So I came in last year being one of the uh, only Shomer Shabbat guys. There was one other Shomer Shabbat guy and then there were some Shomer Shabbat girls. Um, this year we have a lot of guys who started becoming more from, so my friend and I, we, uh, have our house. We kind of call it the yeshiva. <laughs> it, uh, we have a couple of names for it, the Shiva college station, Shiva Mercado, Texas, like they're different names. <laughs> and we have people stay over for Shabbos and like, I'll go to Friday night dinner at Chabad and I'll like start convincing guys to stay over for Shabbos. And we just have like this really beautiful thing where like, you know, we'll have like five or six guys or even seven guys. What, like what on, um. One of the nights of Pesach, my roommate convinced like a bunch of guys to stay over, and like we had stuck an air mattress, which air mattress is all provided by Chabad. They thank you, uh, Chabad. Chabad, <laughs> Chabad has been all, very supportive of us. Uh, so the air mattresses, like we literally stuck an air mattress in the hallway uh, between our rooms because <laughs> there was just so many people. So like it's it's been growing, and we've um, been bringing more people into the fold, and it's it's really been an amazing um, experience to kind of do, um, you know, kind of just like how people reconnect with their Judaism on that respect. And Shabbat, I mean, th- this past one, we had a really beautiful Shabbos, like Friday night, you know, we had typical dinner, dinner and stuff like that. And, uh, well, you know, we'll start like all singing together and like, it becomes like a mini, you know, Shabbaton almost like every week. 
it's really it's really beautiful I, I i don't know if you could go to any other university um universe like anywhere with a comparable population because i know like places like princeton yale they have like larger front populations but if you go to like any state school so so it's not going to be it's i don't think it's going to be like this it's something very beautiful very unique so shabbos spent you know friday night we have our uh you know we eat you know we'll sing we'll, we'll talk and then we'll come back to my house and we'll hang out more in my house and in my roommate like with my roommate and all the guys will just stay over and then shabbos day we are the largest contributor to the minion uh, <laughs> which, which is great because we didn't always have a minion last year but we've had we had a minion maybe like 40 percent of the time for shabbos that's pretty good shabbos day. and now we we're up to like probably like 95% of the time we have a minion wow. and to the point where we had a daily minion. We've had a daily minion for three weeks. Wow. Yeah. So it's Baruch Hashem. Everything has been amazing um, on this front. And I really pray to Hashem that's going to continue growing and uh, what we can accomplish. That's, I mean, that's great. And so it sounds like, like you're, and I'm not, you know, I don't, I, I'm not trying to gas you up too much, you know, a little bit, but not too much, but like, it, it sounds like your presence is, has sort of like, helped make it like at least a little bit cool or fashionable or, or easy to sort of connect with that. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's definitely one of the reasons, like I even, you know, I, I put some, you know, I, I put so much effort into playing football is because I, you know, I always, I love football and I love this one. I love it. my teammates. I, you know, obviously want to help the team win a championship, but on the flip of that, there's a whole godly purpose, which, cause it talks about in Pirkei Avot, it says, that that which has a godly purpose, or that that which uh, that was a, which is aligned with God's will, with a godly purpose, will succeed, and that that which is won't. And I really, really would do my best to use my presence as a football player to promote coming to shul and praying and davening and having a moon and all these things. So I'm really happy that I'm able to do that at, at this point. Like I mean, my my jersey's hanging in the chabad. <laughs> like I, I gave um I gave my travel jersey. To rabbi because they gave themselves as gifts and i gave it to rabbi so you know as much as much as i can use my position as a player to help people become closer to hashem become closer to god and that's what i believe I'm, i was sent here to do you know I, I believe i believe the whole the whole reason i'm here is because of hashem and i believe the whole reason i'm on the team is because of hashem so it's not like there's there's a reason i'm there and i have a responsibility to utilize it to inspire people that's like scoring touchdowns on the field, getting into games, actually like playing and contributing as a team, all of that stuff can be used for a godly purpose. Because now you have, because now you'll have a guy who's like doing this stuff and it's all based on my faith in Hashem, my faith in Hashem that, that he'll help me succeed, he'll remember the plays, help me do everything. And then that, that I, you know, you can be extremely successful it's, it's in football and being Shoma Shabbos all has to do with Hashem. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and you know, I, I'm probably not the first person to ask, but like, um, I don't, I think it's sort of interesting that, you know, you're the the first Orthodox Jewish, you know, D1 player at the same time that we have the first uh, G League Orthodox player, you know, for NBA like that. The, the yeah. fact that that happened sort of at the same time, I think is interesting. But um, have you have you spoken to Ryan Terrell or, or sort of any interactions there? I haven't had any interactions with him. Um, Ellie Kliegman, who plays baseball at Wake Forest, reached out to me. And uh, him and I were talking about just just some stuff, you know, in general. I, I you know, because I think there is a space for the Jewish student athletes, um, and I want to expand on that. Like, actually help create environments and 
something that could actually help because being a student athlete is a very uh, time consuming endeavor. I want to create something. I was talking to him. So maybe talk about it later because there's no, nothing like final any sort of plans, but I was just discussing we should have some system or some group that accommodates Jewish student athletes, especially coming from the from world and all other backgrounds. Yeah, and and you know, obviously Ryan and and Jacob Steinmetz, who's who's playing for the the Diamondbacks, um, they were they were YU kids, and it's it's a lot different to be at YU than it is to be at, at Wake Forest or Texas A and M or yeah. um, wherever whatever the case may be. Um, so I just to, to sort of like move into the the actual football stuff a little bit. You know, obviously you just got done with spring practice, um, and you you don't have a new head coach, but all of the guys who you know, sort of t- touch you as a, as a player, you know, the, the running backs coach, the offensive yeah. coordinator, the, the run game coordinator all knew. Um, what was that like, you know, cause obviously the last group knew you and now you've got like an entirely different group of guys. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, Baruch Hashem, I, I believe I have a good relationship with the head coach. So, uh, you know, that, that's still great. Um, I met, I met the offensive coordinator, Coach Petrino. I really like him. He seems like a cool dude. Um, <laughs> I think I caught him a little bit off guard because I wore a Superman costume to school on Forum. So sure. I was wearing a Superman onesie today. <laughs> <laughs> like he thought he thought it was funny, but um but I I like I like him. I I like the running backs coach. He's a he seems like a great guy also. I actually have switched to wide receiver. Oh a whole story in of itself um that that I might tell later, but I have made the switch to wide receiver. So the coach that is there, I haven't, I hadn't really interacted with him at all before anyway. So it's kind of a new, but I mean, I, the coaches also have all been great. There's like, they're all incredibly friendly to me. They're all incredibly accommodating. They all understand that I can't play on Shabbat. They, they know, and I really appreciate them. So, okay. So, so now you've moved to wide receiver, uh, which I think, I mean, I'll say given there, there have been wide receivers who have been, you know, about five, six and about one sixty. Um, I can't think of any running backs who were, but, but they're, they're absolutely, you know, um, the guy, there was that guy at, uh, what's his name? Uh, there was a guy at Oregon, um, who was like five, six, one fifty. Uh, I'm, I'm going to remember this after the episode drops and I'll, I'll yeah. try to figure it out. But yeah. I don't. It's interesting because I like I I do I try to do my like my research looking. Oh, uh, was it Trendon Holiday? Yes. Did he come from Oregon? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So Trendon Holiday, he played. Uh, he actually played. He played for the Broncos. Yeah. 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 So it's Trendon Holiday was a wide receiver who was uh pretty much my proportion. Um, there's a, there's a guy who plays for Georgia. He was a three star wide receiver. I don't remember his name exactly, but Georgia also has a wide receiver who is my exactly my height and exactly my weight. Uh, as for running backs, there are plenty of short running backs, but they're all a lot heavier than me. So like yeah. Deuce Vaughn, who is the most uh, notable one at least at this moment because he's heading into the NFL draft, mm-hmm. was, my, was my height, and he's about one seventy five. Mm-hmm. And I only got to 160 because of Pesach. Like I was 155 before Pesach, and all of that matzah probably. I'm serious. Like it, it bulk me up. I mean, it, look, it slowed me down, but it bulk me up. I'm, I'm, I uh, coming off of Pesach. I, you, you just assume an extra five to ten pounds. Like yeah. I, I eat nothing but but meat and 
salad on on yeah. Pesach, which means meat and potatoes. But that's yeah, yeah. So matzah. I mean, matzah might be the ultimate athlete food. I mean, it might be uh, some science over there. But <laughs> other notable players were running back. We're pretty much primarily short running backs, like Boston Scott, who plays for the Eagles. Mm-hmm. He, Five six and two hundred and three pounds. Darren Sproles, obviously, um, he was. He's a. I might maybe going into the Hall of Fame soon. He was five six mm-hmm. and one ninety. Although according to my old running back coach, he was actually five seven. But interesting. <laughs> I'm not. I'm. You know that's the run, running backs have had plenty of short guys, but uh, there's always room to be a pioneer. I don't think there's anything. If you're really great then there will be a reason for a team to take you, whether yeah. that's as a wide receiver, whether that's a punt, as a punt returner, it's a special teams player, wherever you can succeed, you can succeed. So I don't, I don't see the size as something. I think, I think it's more about how you see yourself. And if, if you see yourself as small, then you'll always be small. But if you see yourself as large, then that's what you'll be. You, you're, you're, you're taking a, an explicit lesson from, uh, from the, from the sin of the spies. I appreciate that. That is, um, that is, <laughs> that is uh, exactly, that is exactly where I learned that from actually. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I heard on that. Yeah. If you see yourself as a grass, they, what they saw us as grasshoppers. Right. Exactly. Um, and that was a lot why Hashem punished them because he said you could have been, oh, you didn't say it explicitly, but, but what the lesson that was taught about, I guess it was based off of commentaries or um, some sort of medrash was that Hashem was like, how do you know what I made you look at? Yeah, you in your eyes might have been small, but in your eye, in their eyes, they might have been giants. It's so. it's it's a good lesson. I mean, like just in general, but also like very specifically to you. You know, like it it, it certainly applies. Um, so in in terms of the uh, the spring and and heading into the fall, you know, obviously year in year out, I don't know that there's a program that that has ambition and expectations quite like Texas A and M. Um, you know, Coach Fisher and on down. Um, do you think that you guys are, are well set? I mean, you, you've now been through two seasons or you're heading into your second season. Um, you know, do you see a difference from last season to this season already? So I wasn't there for the spring, so I can't really compare to that. Um, Mm -hmm. I am a lot closer with the new guys that came in this season. I think that it is a great group of guys. I think that the mentality that I see within the guys is a hungry mentality. I think that. I think that there is more of an under, I think there's an understanding and, you know, like I say, it's always, it's up to the guys. I'm, I'll be there to, you know, I'll be there to help in whatever way I can, whether it's uh, helping out, obviously playing, but also like, you know, if any of my teammates ever need me, you know, they know they can talk to me. Like, you know, there's, because there's always the whole mental aspect. And once you create, once you create a sense of urgency and a sense that you have to win, there's a standard to play to and guys accept that and go forward with it. I don't think that there's really anything that could stand in the way because the talent's there. And as long as the mind is there, you know, with God's help, with God's help, that's the other thing with God's help, you know, we'll, uh, with, I believe, I believe we could compete for a championship this year. I believe that we will, we could win a championship this year, but yeah. all it is, all, the guys got to, you know, we all got to put in our, our best. And we got to allow God to do the rest. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, um, you know, obviously there's, there's a, a good argument that you're playing in, in the hardest division in college football. I mean, it's either the SEC West or the Big Ten East. 
um, is is generally what it what it boils down to. But um, you know, if you win, it's 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 sort of a simple game, right? If we win, if we win our division, we're going to be fine with whatever whatever ambitions you have beyond that. It's fine. But um, I guess the so I, I I'm not sure what kind of answer I'll, I'll get to this question, but I'm I'm interested. Um, you know, as a guy not from Texas, right? Like you're 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 coming into this sort of cult. Um, and with the news that the University of Texas is joining the SEC, mm-hmm. has there been any discussion? Like, like, do the guys talk about that, or is there like literally no discussion of the University of Texas? Not that I heard. Interesting. I think I think a lot. Of, I think Coach Fisher, and they they always play those little clues of him. I think he 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 always likes to come in and tell us, which I think is one of the best lessons I have learned from him being on the football team is that your opponent is faceless. Like you, you, your opponent, it doesn't matter what they look like or who they are. And that, that's kind of how it is. You got to come in with every mentality. Every opponent you're going to play is the best opponent. You see all, if you see Alabama, they were great teams. They didn't just, you know, half-ass playing the small teams. They blew out the small teams. Right. Which is something that you should do as a good team. You got to put all of your effort, all of your resources in. Now, obviously, you know, you got to protect guys from injury because that was obviously something that afflicted us last year. Mm-hmm. But every time you play, every play that you will play has to be the best play. So, you know, what Texas coming in, I'm sure will uh, generate a lot of buzz. I'm sure that the, the game will probably be the most attended game in Texas A&M history. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, I, I don't, I don't see a better venue for a team you haven't played in 10 years, which is your worst rival coming into your conference. And then I, I, there's, I don't think there will be an Aggie site that does not attend that game. And I'm sure it will be sold out. I'm sure the tickets will probably be higher than any, you know, higher price than any other tickets. Yeah. It's yeah, going I, to be a crazy time in Aggieland. Yeah, I I can't imagine that there's a person in the state of Texas who would rather go to a Cowboys or Texans or any other college football game other than than that one. No, um, that's that that it, it's a lock on that. But as for who the opponent is, it it does it does who they're bringing into the program. It's not it's not really it doesn't really matter because we have to be able to beat out every single person and play to the best of our abilities everything every single time absolutely absolutely um so i guess the the you know a couple more questions and then and then we'll we'll let you get back to it because i can imagine it's it's about as we're recording i think it's like 10 30 year time and sleep is i'm sure at a premium these days but um you know heading into the season obviously you've gotten a you know you've gotten a full off season you've gotten full ability to be in the weight room to to work out train the whole thing um you know do you think that that you'll be able to to get some playing time this year, or you know, are are you looking sort of you know maybe a year or two down the road? So, if I I think that the best answer to this question is yes, I will get playing time. Good. And the reason is, if I did not answer that question like that, I don't think I would be worth it to have as a player, especially as well, because if I don't believe that I can achieve that then I'm virtually worthless. Because that means if I don't believe I can achieve that, that means I'm not going in, I'm not putting in all my effort on every rep. 
I'm not trying, I'm not making the attempts out of practice to understand the playback playbook and look good. I'm not, I'm making, I'm not making any of the strides that I should be making. If that's my belief. And my belief is with God's help, I'm going to play because, and I don't, I don't, I wouldn't want it to come across as arrogant because that's, I truthfully don't mean that, but I mean that I'm putting in every resource that I have right now to learn the playbook better than anyone and to make sure that my skills are up to par, even though I've only played wide receiver for three weeks, I'm making sure that should that time come, should they, and should they need me or, you know, when it's time to compete for that spot in, in, I guess at fall camp in around August, that I will be the guy who's putting in everything to make sure it, making sure it happens. And that is for both being a wide receiver that goes for being a special teams player and that goes for any other position they may, you know, they may need me for on the field. I'm putting in all my efforts to make sure that I am going to play next year. Absolutely. I can't, I can't not do that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So, you know, just learn, sort of looking to that, right? Like looking in the future, Um, there is, you know, there is a, a, a trip to Miami. I don't know uh, if, if you'd be able to make it. If so, uh, you know, I, I hear that, uh, that there are a number of very nice communities uh, that would love to have you over Shabbos. I don't know when that game would be, but uh, I, I imagine it'll probably be a marquee game. But Miami, we'll I want to say Miami game is September 9th. Um, now, I do want to just add on my last point because I just want to say with Hashem's help, because right. <laughs> that's the most important, that is the primary most important thing. I always hold, you have to put in every single thing that you can put in and then Hashem will do the rest, you know, give you the little boost, make the coaches believe in you more, you know, you know, have the ball, get the ball slightly more to you when you're like, you know, all the things that really only a God can control. You have, you have to, you leave up to him, but you have to handle everything else because it's like an investment. Mm-hmm. So uh, within, within, you know, that trip to Miami with God's help, you know, with God's help, I would, I would, uh, I believe I believe that I will travel for that game, and I believe that I'll, I'll be a contributor to the team. But that, but but I mean, the game has to also be after Shabbos. That's the other thing. Right. I don't know when the games are going to be because we only find out a week and a half to two weeks. It depends on for some games, but some games you know are going to be more anticipated. Games are going to garner more of a prime time viewership. Out when we played Miami this past season, it was a late game. It was mm-hmm. actually right after Shabbos. It was about eight o'clock. And I would assume that will be the same for this coming game unless something changes and it becomes like a three o'clock game. I don't think it will be a morning game. Yeah. Uh, but that's also, but you're basing that around Miami's fan base and other, um, a lot of, a lot of other things that go into. Why what, ESPN? Uh, yeah. What, when, yeah. Why, when do we slot this game exactly? <laughs> why ESPN do, makes the decisions ESPN does. Um, but. So first game is, is uh, September 2nd, New Mexico at home. Um, uh, we will, we will all be, uh, be hoping for a uh, 8 PM kickoff or a 7 PM kickoff. Um, and then also looking down the, down the schedule, you know, just while being realistic about everything, uh, November 18th against Abilene Christian, uh, we will hope that that one is also a late game. So, um, you know, if there's anything, is there anything else you wanted to, uh, to mention to, to, uh, to anybody while we're here? Otherwise, uh, where can where can the people follow you? If unless you have any more questions, I'm I'm good. The people can follow me on my Instagram at Sam 
underscore Sauls. Don't remember if I put two underscores in there or one. Um, I think it is it one. It might be one. Um, <laughs> either one or two underscores. Yeah. Try and try that. And on Twitter, it's I believe it's just Sam Sauls. It's S A M S A L Z. That is where I can be found. So I can confirm that uh, you're on the Instagram. It is two underscores. Uh, the one with one underscore is uh, decidedly not you. And for those of you uh, who are listening from the From community, I would advise against following uh, for reasons that would become obvious. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Sam, say, thank you so much for uh, for for coming on. Um, you know, I I can say for for jokes reasons, I've. I've always sort of been ambivalent about uh, about Texas A&M, but but uh, definitely a fan this upcoming year. And and as long as uh, as long as you're associated with the program, so uh, thank you so much. Um, obviously, dope. obviously, dear listener, you can find me at TLSTDS on Twitter. Um, we'll get that Instagram up and running, uh, you know, shortly. Um, you know, but uh, aside from that, thank you to our sponsors, Smith Workforce Management Group, Paramount Plus, whoever Blue Wire decides to put in. Um, tell your friends. Uh, you know, obviously. Uh, Thank you for for listening. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell your local Texas A&M fan. Um, And, uh, you know, we couldn't and wouldn't do this without you. So thank you so much. And we will see you next time. Podcast Network.